welcome to To Grow Good, a podcast of conversion stories, to share encounters with the living God, to bear good fruit, a place where others can meet or be inspired to meet God. So get cozy, lean in, and listen close. Miracles are at work, and He wants to meet you too. My name is Rachel Smith, and I'm your host. Now let's start growing some good. Hi, friends, and happy Tuesday. I'm so excited to get into this week's conversion story, but first, I wanted to give my shout out or my update per episode like we talked about previously. So this week, I wanted to share and shout out Beth, who became a supporter of the show and joined our Branches of the Vine community. Beth said, I love your yes, Rachel. I love how you are helping my faith grow and watching this journey you are on bloom. It's truly inspiring to me. I know the number is weird. I've been wanting to do something with my latte money from Lent and switching from latte to coffee all Lent gave me the amount that I donated. So I wanted to share. Plus, I listened to your scripture seeds on my way to an appointment today, and I just loved it. I'm totally rooting for you, Rachel. Beth, thank you so much for your support, for joining the Branches of the Vine community, and for helping this show to grow, to reach more souls. If you want to support the show to help it to grow and expand and reach more souls, you can do this by going to donorbox.org slash two dash grow dash good. The link is also a live link in the episode description. If you just scroll down, you'll be able to click right on there and become a supporter and join the Branches of the Vine community. If you become a monthly supporter, you will receive a bonus episode every month on a different topic that's stirring my heart. This month of May, in honor of Mary, I'm so excited to pour my heart out about Our Lady for all you Branches of the Vine listeners and monthly supporters. I have had quite the journey with Mary, and it didn't always, it didn't start out super great, as I think a lot of people can relate to. And so I'm just really excited to share the ways that Mary has just revealed her herself to me, how the Lord's revealed Mary to me, and how it has been just the most healing and incredible journey. Um, yeah, and really a huge part of what sets me so much on fire about the faith is has a lot to do with Our Lady and the power of Our Lady. So I can't wait to dive into that for this month's bonus episode. If you're not able to contribute at this time to the show financially, there are so many other ways to support. Please subscribe on whatever app you're listening from. You can go, go on over to YouTube and hit subscribe over there. Um, and then you can also leave a written review on Apple Podcasts and then like watch, comment on any Instagram posts or YouTube videos. That really does help in the algorithm to to have the profile and the um, ministry reach more souls. All right. With all that being said, let's get into this week's conversion story. I am so excited this week to bring you the story of Joanna Layton. Joanna um, is actually from the UK. She's from England. And 
she has just the most amazing conversion story that she's still very much in the process of right now. She's actually in RCIA right now. And her story of how she got there, like all stories, but it truly is amazing just to to see the whole trajectory of how God has worked throughout her entire life, moving her slowly but surely into the fullness of the truth, into even closer relationship with him. Um, Her experience of how she came to discover the rosary and um, Eucharistic adoration and how it was literally drawing her in. Um, It's just wild. And Joanna actually started her own rosary shop. Um, So everyone go check it out. It's called Discover Rosaries on Instagram. And she also has an Etsy shop. Here is my conversation with Joanna. Are you feeling called to marriage but struggling to meet others who are striving for sainthood? Well, my friends, there is a solution for you. Welcome to Catholic Match, the largest faith-focused dating app designed for single Catholics. Unlike other dating sites, Catholic Match primarily strives to help singles connect for the purpose of sacramental marriage through direct message, video chat, and more. And not only that, it also provides a place to make new friends in the faith because, let's be honest, these days it's harder than ever to cultivate intimate Catholic community. Create your Catholic love story. Visit catholicmatch.com slash good to create your free Catholic Match account and start meeting fellow-minded Catholics today. Joanna, hello. Welcome to the show. Hi. Hi there. I'm so happy you're here, and I cannot wait to hear your story and to share it with our listeners. Um, But could you start us out just by introducing yourself and telling us a little bit about you and what you do now? Yes. So my name is Joanna Layton. Um, I'm from the southwest of England, and I live with my husband, Simon, and my two children. Jeremy is two and a half, and Jessa is one. And so it's a whole bunch of fun. We have we have a lot of fun. Um, so up until not too long ago, I was actually working for an Anglican church. I was working there as their musical director um, and then was leading their choir and doing all of that sort of stuff. But with COVID, I got made redundant. Um, and so more recently, I've been making some rosaries, which has been really good fun. Um, and yeah, so I was raised in the Baptist church. I think the Baptist church in the UK is a bit different to the Baptist church in America. It's not as fundamentalist. It's believers baptism is their big sort of defining feature, I would say. Um, yeah, so my dad's a Baptist minister and during university, I found myself in the Anglican church. Um, and then when I got together with Simon, he was being called really strongly into the Anglican church as a priest. Um, and yeah, I've always really supported him. And, I, and now I've been in the Anglican church on and off for about 10 years, but it never really felt like home. And I worked him on for five years and again, got loads of stuff out of it, but it never really felt like my spiritual home. Mm-hmm. So, you know, Simon got confirmed. He was made, he became a priest and I didn't get confirmed because I just, it didn't click. It didn't click with me. Um, and so it's actually been really recently that I feel drawn into the Catholic church. Um, and it all sort of really came to a head, I suppose, in October when we went to visit a Catholic monastery. Um, we went, it was like the first time we'd been out in a very long time with the COVID lockdown. 
<laughs> and we went to a little cafe for my husband's um, 30th birthday at this little monastery. And that sort of really got me thinking. Um, so since then, I think things have moved really fast. And I'm now doing RCIA in our little area. It's called um, Journeys of Faith. So I'm doing that course over Zoom because we can't meet in person with my diocese. Wow. Wow. So you're very much, yeah, kind of in this process right now, which is really cool. I mean, I don't think we've had anybody on yet that's kind of um, really in the throes of it right now and kind of feeling all these this pull um, toward the church. But yeah, let's let's pack into the story a little bit. If you don't mind, I have a couple questions. But so you were raised Baptist and your dad is a Baptist minister. So what made you... Um, drawn initially to the Anglican Church, what brought you into that faith tradition after the Baptists? Well, it was basically I went to university. I went, I went to uni in London, um, on the outskirts of London. It was more of like a little town, really, than in the city itself. And um, I went and I wanted to join a church, one of which was sort of a free church, non-denominational kind of church. And I went along and it didn't really click with me. It was a bit prosperity gospel kind of thing. And I was like, no, this is <laughs> not for me. Um, the other one was, oh, I can't even remember what the other one was. And the other one was an Anglican church. And so it did really great student ministry. So I just got really stuck in there. And I, it was my first real experience of another denomination, but it was very low church. So it was quite similar to what I was used to it didn't really have any robes, didn't have any liturgy. It was very, you wouldn't have guessed necessarily it was an Anglican church. And that was very similar to where I'd come from. Um, So that's kind of how I found myself, found myself there initially. Yeah. Gotcha. Okay. And can you just maybe for listeners and for me explain, uh, I know you're obviously not like this Anglican theologian or anything, but could you explain just a little bit about what the Anglican um, church believes and maybe what your kind of services were like. And um, yeah, I think that that would be helpful just to know. Yeah. So it's, um, oh, it's quite difficult to explain, but it's, it calls itself reformed Catholic. So it's not completely Protestant. It's not completely Catholic and it's a very broad church. So in it, you'll have people with all sorts of different opinions about all sorts of different things. So it's quite hard to nail down what they actually believe. I mean, um, they agree with all the creeds, you know, they're Christian. Um, and I think the thing that I have always actually struggled with is that there isn't much clarity. So taking communion, for example, some people will believe in real presence of communion. Some people will believe in the memorial sort of view of communion. Um, and they're all sort of in together and it's the same with baptism I mean some people will do more believers baptism some people will do infant baptism it's kind of a big big mixture I think it's kind of a (laughs) catch-all a little bit I don't know I probably haven't explained this too well no that's that's super interesting because I think I think it I don't know the more I'm learning the more I do you can see almost a trajectory of a faith walk almost in different traditions and then the fullness of the truth right in the in the catholic faith where these things we know to be true mm. but 
it's kind of like on your walk, almost like a journey into it, kind of different phases almost, I guess, of the level to which you believe that truth. Um, And then when you discover the fullness of it in one place and realize Jesus names this in the gospels, and it's kind of like this light bulb moment where you're just like, oh, wait a second, like this is still alive after all this time. But I think there are so many factors, right, in our own journeys, our own experiences in life, um, the way the world obviously tries to keep us away from that truth because the evil one wants to keep us away from that truth, ultimately. Um, I think, yeah, we, un- we end up falling somewhere along the journey. And then I think the Lord has a way of, yeah, working his way into your heart over time and drawing you um, into the fullness of the truth, you know, when you're ready and when you're seeking and when you're ready to take that step. Um, so yeah. So do you want to just maybe walk through what that journey has been like? So how did you meet your husband? And then how did you start to feel these inklings toward the Catholic church? Like, what did you even know about the Catholic faith, I guess, at that time? And, and what was your relationship with God? You know, like, have you, had you had a moment where you kind of realized that God was real or was it kind of an intellectual thing that you were doing like for community and for relationship, but um, you hadn't really developed this personal relationship with Christ yet? Yeah. So I think to be honest, growing up, I've had a real experience of God quite early on. So when I was about four years old, I was asleep in my bedroom and I woke up in the middle of the night and I had, I heard this voice and it was like nothing I've ever experienced before or since. Cause it wasn't like your voice in your head. It was a voice from somewhere else. <laughs> and it said, Joanna, I love you. I want to be your friend. And I was just like, oh my goodness, what is going on? <laughs> so I, think, um, I went, I remember I went downstairs my parents bedroom and I went in and I said dad this this crazy thing just happened and he said well I think that was God I think he wants to be your friend do you want to be his friend and I said yes and so that was kind of my first real encounter I would say with God which now is just crazy to me that I was so young and I see my own children being so young and I think wow it's just God works through everyone um so that was my first kind of encounter with God so I knew from a very very early age that God was real and that hasn't really been something I've majorly questioned throughout my life because I couldn't deny what had happened and um growing up there was in my church it was quite charismatic I mean my dad actually didn't believe in the charismatic gifts until they started happening in his church (laughs) so um we went on a sort of journey with that which was really interesting. And we'd pray for people and see them get healed. And it was, it was just so clear to me that God was real and active. Um, and yeah, growing up, I think it was, yeah, it was really just confirmed to me several times. There was a big festival. It's only just stopped actually. It went on for about 10 years in the UK called Soul Survivor. Um, and a lot of young people used to come. And I went every year, I think from about 14 right there up to my early twenties. Um, and there'd be like 10,000 kids. And it was just amazing because it was 
multi-denominational. So there'd be Catholics, there'd be Baptists, there'd be everybody you could think of. Um, and being one of the only Christians in my school at the time, it was just amazing to go there each summer and think, gosh, I'm not alone. And actually so many people believe this. Um, and I think during that, I really felt God's presence almost every year, just experiencing him afresh because um, they really sort of left time to encounter Jesus. And then I think really during that whole time, my only real experience with the Catholic church was every Easter we'd go on a walk, it was called a walk of witness. And so we'd link up with the local churches and we'd all walk around the area with a donkey <laughs> and a cross, <laughs> do a little parade. And um, we used to go to the Catholic church. We used to pop around to every single church and we went into Catholic church. And my dad used to say to us, guess which church will have the most Bible readings? And we'd say, oh, it'll be the Presbyterians. Or, oh, it'll be you know, whichever. My dad said, no, it will be the, the Catholic church. And he was right. It was the most Bible readings in the Catholic church. And so that was kind of my main real experience, I suppose, of the Catholic church. Um, didn't really think much more of it. And then I got baptized full immersion baptism when I was 18 and then left to university. Um, and around that time, probably when I was about 20, me and Simon got together. So we'd known each other for a number of years and um, we started going out. And then we got married very soon off the back of graduation. And when we got married, we both said, that was a sacrament. What just happened? That was a sacrament. I had no idea what a sacrament was. Wow. <laughs> hadn't been raised. You know, we had no sacraments growing up. Um, you know, we did communion and things, but it wasn't, there was no sacramental understanding. There is a sacramental understanding in the Anglican church, but marriage is not a sacrament. Okay. And so at that point I was like, that was a sacrament. I don't care what anyone says. (laughs) And so again, I feel like that sort of opened my mind to it a little bit more at that stage. And then also around that, that time, Simon was really feeling drawn to ordination in the Anglican church. And at that point I'd had a really good experience of Anglicanism in my, in my um, church at university. I'd absolutely loved it. And so I felt quite at home there. I said, yeah, let's do it. You know, I fully support you. Still, I still fully support him. And um, so we started going down that crazy path and I got a job in an Anglican church called St. Mary's as the musical worship director and Simon started at Bible college at that time and really that was a point when I saw another side of Anglicanism that I wasn't familiar with which was the more traditional liturgical side and that's what I really struggled to connect with at that time because I was overseeing three services so it was very traditional robed choir in the morning and then a sort of family service in the afternoon and a more contemporary charismatic service in the evening so we had the full the full spectrum that I knew and um so week in week out I would do liturgy and I'd never done liturgy before and it just didn't connect it just didn't connect and um through that I grew a huge love of choral music and just seeing God through a huge breadth of music because I'd studied music at uni. Um, But the liturgy just never clicked. Whereas in comparison, Simon 
loved the liturgy. It reconnected with him, really helped him encounter God. And it was a real struggle actually, because he was really thriving and I was, you know, really struggling in some parts and thriving in other parts. And he just said to me, you know, I want you to find something that fills you up spiritually. And I, I was sort of thinking, well, I love serving here. I love this job. Um, but I just don't know how I can do that because I'm there on a Sunday. And then also at the time, all of my friends seemed to be getting drawn into Anglicanism and drawn into getting ordained or marrying somebody who was in the Anglican church. And I was like, I wish I could fit because it would be so much easier. It would be so much easier if this was my home. And I tried and I tried and I was like, this just, it just isn't. I, I, I know God is here. I know that we can, you know, I know that this is so impactful for my husband, but it just doesn't connect with me. Um, which is a real struggle. And I think during that time, like I started to have a lot of questions, but I thought, well, I don't have time for this. <laughs> I don't have time for a crisis. I've got, you know, I've got small kids. I've got a job. I've got, you know, life's busy. I, no, I can't deal with this. So I just pushed it to the side. And then of course this crazy year has happened and our whole country went into lockdown with coronavirus. And suddenly I had a lot more time on my hands because I was, um, I don't know if they've done this in America, but over here they've done something called furlough, which is you're still employed, but um, you don't go into work. You're basically sort of kept on the books. So I was in that funny sort of state for a while with the two small children at home and in a full lockdown. And so suddenly I had lots of thinking time and I couldn't really ignore the questions. <laughs> I couldn't really ignore them anymore. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, I love that. I feel like so many people can relate to that this year, especially. Mm-hmm. What were some of the questions that you had at that time? Um, I think there was a huge question for me about what happens when we die that had been in the back of my head for a long, long time. And, um, you know, what happens to us? What happens to people who died before Jesus came, what happens to all these things. And I think because I love my family, I love being a mom and I love being a wife. And I thought, what, you know, what's, what's the point investing in these people your whole life to then just forget about them when you're dead? Cause I think what the only options I'd really heard before was the idea of soul sleep. So when you die, you're just sort of sleeping until Jesus comes back or the idea that you know we won't really remember anything about our earthly life because we'll just be seeing Jesus and both those ideas made me really upset because I was like I love my family I love my friends I don't want to just forget about them and I think we were in a car we were on a car journey one time and we were talking I'm not even sure what it was about and I just broke down crying and I said, Simon, I don't want to forget you when I die. And he said, where's this coming from? And I just said, it's just been in my mind for so long. And I think at that point, he said, gosh, this really bothers you, doesn't it? I think you need to look into this properly. And so when the lockdown happened, that sort of really culminated. Um, And when I was at university, I'd had some friends who were Mormons and they were just lovely, lovely family. And 
they were my first real sort of experience of a completely different religion. And um, they would say, oh, well, families can be together forever. Like it doesn't stop at the grave and all of this. And I remember thinking, okay, but I can't look into this. I don't have time to look into this. (laughs) (laughs) Again, in the lockdown, I just felt, and it was the weirdest thing. I felt like whatever I looked at, whatever I thought of, you know, I'd, I'd Google something, I'd get a book off the shelf, I'd go for a walk. Everything was Mormon, Mormon, Mormon. And I was like, what is this? Because I know it's not true. And I was in the kitchen and I was talking to Simon and I just said, this is really weird. Like I signed up for a new podcast. It happened to be a Mormon podcast. And I was thinking, what is going on? And he said to me, well, Joe, maybe there's something here you need. You should look into it. And so I did, <laughs> so, uh, which felt crazy to me because I was like, oh, I know this isn't true. Um, so I began sort of researching the Latter-day Saint faith big time. And, you know, they have this extra book, the Book of Mormon, and there are a lot of red flags really. And it, I got to the end of my investigations and thought, this is not, this is not true. They, they don't believe in the Trinity. Um, but they have a very different understanding of Jesus. Not true. But this raised a lot of questions for me about the canon, the biblical canon. And um, I sort of thought, well, okay, the Book of Mormon is not in the canon. And I understand now why that is the case. But what about all these other books that I've been told growing up? Oh, that's just the Apocrypha. We don't read that why? (laughs) So I started thinking, really, why? Why is this? And the only explanations I'd heard before were people either saying, oh, the Apocrypha's from the devil. And I always thought, well, that's, that's not true. Um, or, oh, it's just not important because it's not inspired by God. Um, so I thought, right, I'm going to read it because I want to know. And Simon's got all the books in the world you could ever want in his studies. So I went up and I got his apocrypha and I started to read it. And then I started to read about why the books had been taken out of the Bible and, you know, around the Reformation and finding out that Christians had had these books in their Bibles for hundreds of years. Um, And they were taken out, well, as far as I can tell, they were taken out because Martin Luther didn't really like what they said you know, and he also wanted to take out James and Revelation. And I just thought, I can't see a reason why these aren't included in the Bible. I just, it just doesn't make sense why these are not in the Bible to me. Um, So yeah, I ended up in this funny place where I was like, okay, I believe, I, I can't see any reason why this is out of the Bible. So therefore I'll put it into my Bible. And then again, one of the reasons I'd thought, well, the Mormon church is not true because they don't believe in the Trinity. And then I realized that without the Catholic church, we wouldn't have the doctrine of the Trinity (laughs) or the Bible, (laughs) you know? And so I was like, okay, I think I need to look into being a Catholic because this is just all falling into place in a kind of really surprising way. And at the same kind of time all this was going on in my head, 
we went away. It was just when the lockdown had eased enough that we could go away. So we went for my husband's 30th birthday. We went to a little Airbnb um, out in the countryside on a farm. It was lovely. Like my little boy woke up and saw the cows out the window every day. And in the local area of where we were staying, there was a um, Catholic monastery called Prinish Abbey. And it's where they make incense. And Simon said, you know what? I'd love to go there um, for my birthday. They've got a cafe. They've got beautiful gardens because he's really interested in the monastic life. So we, we thought, great, we'll go, there, go and do that. It's the first time we've been out since really lockdown has happened. We've never taken both our kids to a cafe. Let's just do it. Um, so we went to this, this um, Prinish Abbey and went to the cafe and the kids ran riot in the cafe <laughs> and we were looking around the gift shop and two things really struck me in the gift shop one of which was a statue of mary and she was pregnant and she was looking fabulous <laughs> she was looking brilliant and it just really struck me because being a mom is so important to me and i thought gosh she knew what it was like to be a mom and in my whole faith, I've never had someone to look to on a spiritual level who knew what it was like, really knew what it was like to be a mum. And that really just sort of, it just, I just clocked it in my head. And that was really interesting to me. And then the other thing I saw was a children's catechism with these beautiful illustrations. And I thought, well, let's just pick it up. Let's just buy it. And Simon said, oh, that'd be really interesting to see what they believe. And I read through the children's catechism and I didn't disagree with any of it at all. And, um, and there was also a voice in my head. I'm so enthusiastic about church unity. I'm thinking actually, if we can be united with the Catholic church, why, why wouldn't we want to be? And so that was, <laughs> that was kind of the point that I got to, and I think at the same at the same time as all of this, there's been a lot of debates recently in the, Catholic, the Anglican Church, specifically the Church of England, um, about a huge range of moral issues, social issues, all sorts of different things. And lots of people were sort of coming with different ideas. And obviously Simon has to look into all these things as a priest. Um, and you'd, I'd come across this phrase time and time again, which was my theology, my theology. And the penny dropped with me that my theology just means my opinion. And I thought to myself, I don't want my faith to be based solely on my understanding, my opinion, because I'm, you know, I'm just me. I'm just a 29 year old. I don't, what do I know? <laughs> <laughs> To base my whole understanding on my theology and I just had this desire for something more reliable than my own opinion and I'm really seeing that resonating with the Catholic Church with this robust and rich consistent teaching that goes back to the earliest of the earliest of days and I just thought this just can't it can't be ignored I just can't ignore this um and so I think during that time as well I've always really struggled with prayer you know 
when I grew up, it was just go and pray. What does that mean? <laughs> you know? um, and for me, that was too abstract. And I've always really struggled with prayer. I'd either fall asleep or forget to do it or just feel like I was speaking into the void. And it's really just praying by myself has been a real struggle. And I saw in the Catholic Church concrete practices for prayer, which was just really intriguing for me. And um, so that kind of led me to trying out the rosary and loving it. (laughs) And um, so I thought, right, I need to get myself to a Catholic church um, just to see what it's like and see what's going on here. And so we were back into another lockdown. I can't remember when this was now. Quite recently, we put back into another lockdown. Um, But this time around, places of worship were allowed to stay open, but only for private prayer. So the local Catholic church around the corner from me was open for adoration. And so I thought, I'll go. What's the harm? Simon said he'd take the kids. So I went by myself and... I met with God. I was, I walked into that building and I was like, God's presence is here. You just cannot, you cannot deny it. And it then made me remember I'd experienced adoration before, but I didn't know what it was, but I'd experienced God through that as well because I'd been, this was years ago. I'd been working for a youth choir and I was there for pastoral support for the children. And we were doing a concert and it was in a place called St. James's Priory. And I got there early because I was helping set up the church for the concert. And I walked in and I just felt God is here. There is something about this atmosphere. God's just here. And it's, I can't go setting up the chairs because it's just too, it's not the right time to be doing this. And then one of the conductors came a bit later and he was a devout Catholic and he said, I have to find the priest because the, the sacrament is out and we can't set up the chairs and things with the sacrament here. I need, to, I need to ask the priest. And I didn't know what that meant until I went to adoration just recently and it all connected the dots. And I thought, gosh, I didn't even know what this was. And I felt God's presence. And that was just crazy, <laughs> crazy, crazy. Do you believe in the power of conversion stories? Has this show moved you in some way? Join the Branches of the Vine community of supporters. You will be making this show happen and you'll be helping it grow and expand into new avenues to reach even more souls. Visit togrowgood.com support to join for as little as $3 a month. This link is also a live link in today's episode description. If you just scroll down, you'll be able to click right there to join us. As a gift back to you, you will gain access to an underground bonus podcast. That's right, a collection of monthly episodes on a series of different topics that stir my heart, in addition to behind-the-scenes updates on where he's leading this ministry and more. You are the light of the world. Thank you so much for supporting me in this mission and stepping out on the water to wherever he calls me next. Let's see where this goes. Wow, that's insane. I was yeah. that is so beautiful. Oh my gosh, so many things about your story are just incredible. It's just uh it's so beautiful the things that he knows like what's gonna draw our hearts. Yeah. 
Mm-hmm. And those things, those little tugs that you've been feeling. And then when you respond and he's able to kind of bring you closer and show you more. Mm-hmm. And then eventually that led to the the rosary and how the how our lady tugged at your heart. I mean, there's so many beautiful things. <laughs> and then I was going to ask about adoration because I'm like, oh my gosh, you got to go to adoration because I feel like <laughs> you just feel it. And you did, which is so beautiful that he, he drew you there too. Yeah. So then what, what were you feeling at that point? Were you, um, yeah, after adoration, you must have just been like, I mean, this is, I can't deny this, you know, like I have to pursue this or at least take a step to figure out how to go about becoming Catholic. Is that what you were feeling at that time after adoration or yeah, what happened next? Yeah. So I think at that point I came home and I said to Simon, you need to go, (laughs) you need to go next week and you need to experience this. Um, because I think I'm becoming a Catholic and he said, brilliant, I'll go along. Cause he's very open-minded. He's, he likes the Catholics. He's got, you know, so he went along and he said, that was amazing. Wow. I loved it. I loved it. And <laughs> so then, um, we sort of got talking and I said, look, I, we're married, we're a team and I want to support you. Um, because he, he feels such a strong call to priesthood and, the way things are, that is in the Anglican church. Um, And he said, you know, I can't walk away from priesthood because that's something I've been called to. And I said, well, no, I wouldn't want you to walk away from that. Um, And so we need to try and figure out how that can work in a compatible way. Um, So at that point I emailed the diocese, the local diocese where we live, and said, can I do RCIA? Because I got home from that meeting and I got straight onto YouTube and I was watching all of the Catholic videos about like, what is this thing? Um, And that was something that had come up was RCIA. And I thought, okay, I think that's what I need to be doing. And I came across the, the lady at the diocese replied back and she said, yes, there are two priests who are running it look into them and contact one of them. So I looked into both of them and one of them who I went on the website of their church and he was one of the people in the area who was really enthusiastic about ecumenical relations across all denominations and was really pushing for that and encouraging that. And he was wanting people of all all backgrounds, all races to be in his church. And I just thought, I think this is the right person to take me through RCIA because I'm always going to be ecumenical because I, I'm married to an anchor priest. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and he understood that. And he said, look, I don't want to take you away from, I don't want to take you away from that. Um, but I think you need to do this course. And, um, so yeah, it's been, it's been crazy. I've absolutely loved, loved doing RCIA. It's been, it's been so helpful for me. I just feel like it's been a long, long time since I felt this close to God, even since my sort of teenage years, it's been that length of time. Um, and it's just been amazing. So that's kind of where we're at at the moment. Wow. I mean, 
<laughs> yeah, that is wow. I mean, you yeah, you are very much in the in the journey right now. And I think just continue to pray the rosary because our lady, I mean, it's amazing. She brings you closer to Christ in all that she does. And just even by regularly praying that, she's she's guiding you and your family where you're going to need to go and, and what you're going to need to do. And so I feel like as long as you guys are both, yeah, just open to wherever God is leading you, which it sounds like you are. And it's beautiful to watch just the ways that he's working in both of your life. And I, I'm so, yeah, just moved by your entire story. And yes, there are so many great Catholic resources out there. So once you start this process, it's like, oh my gosh. Then I feel like the Lord at least in my story, he brought me to so many other resources to just continue to grow deeper and uh, continue to journey. And that's the crazy thing is that we're all on a journey. Even when we are in the Catholic church, it's really just continuing to deepen your relationship with Christ and your relationship to truth and to let him change your heart. Um, And so that's all that we really can do. And our prayers will be with you. We will be praying for you and your whole family and just for God to guide you. But that is amazing. And I just love so many aspects of your story. I think it shows how, I mean, we were talking a little bit before this, but just how God works through things when we don't even see it, especially in the moment, we're not really able to see it. And a lot of times we want to be able to control it or tell what the plan is or figure out the ending. But God is working. Even when you listen to your whole story, it's just like amazing the ways that he brings us to what we need exactly when we need it. And before we can even verbalize what it is that we need, you know, like he's having you stay at an Airbnb that happens to be near a Catholic monastery. Like it just those crazy things that we could never plan ourselves and yet he's providing exactly what you need next to go to go deeper and to um to continue your relationship with him yeah um, I, feel, I feel just it's um i feel god sort of bringing each each thing in stages to me because i feel like so when i started praying the rosary you know you, you say the creed at the beginning and suddenly it was like oh, all of my death questions have been answered because the line communion of saints just popped out of me, out out to me and was like, oh my goodness, this is what I've been looking for and looking at how, you know, they're alive, these people who've, these Christians who've passed before us and they're praying for us and they're supporting us. And I was like, oh my goodness, I've been saying the creed for like 10 years and this has never connected with me before. And just so many things have sort of been falling into place like that. And I think that was just so helpful for me because that has been a question on my heart for so many years. And again, like I've been, since the restrictions have lifted, I've been going along to mass and I feel like for the first time, the liturgy and the theology just clicked because I mean, the Anglican liturgy is very similar to Catholic liturgy, but it's not it, its not sort of expressed that it's definitely real presence communion. 
whereas when you add that to the liturgy it just it just made sense to me for the first time mm. in a way that it never had before and I so I feel like I feel like I'm being sort of presented with each little issue at, the, at a time to, yeah like all your little questions he's answering yeah. slowly yeah I wanted to ask you too how did you get a rosary or how did you even yeah. so um my my husband had one just in his in his office but wow he's a Franciscan he's a third order Franciscan um so he he had a Franciscan rosary so he's just he just said I'll try this and um he said to me you know what if you get confirmed in the Catholic Church I'll buy you a rosary and I was looking into it and I was like you know what I could make that I could make one so I've I've made myself ones which has been really good fun um so yeah and that's kind of been my little project off the back of being made redundant I'm gonna start making some little rosaries and just it's been it's just been so helpful for my prayer life it's just turned it completely around um if you'd have told me a month ago I'd be quite happily praying for like 20 minutes a day I'd have just laughed (laughs) wow praise god it's amazing and he grows your desire to do it which is so wild to watch you know it's like the more you do it the more I feel like you desire to do it I don't know at least that's what I've experienced and how beautiful that like you just were like, I could make these and then I could make them for others too. Like that is so, I just, I love that so much. And now it's such a beautiful testament to how when we fill ourselves with him, it just overflows into helping others in their own spiritual lives and journey with God. And that's exactly what's happening through your little rosary shop. And now you're going to be able to give rosaries to other people who maybe are searching or are looking for a rosary to, or to start praying the rosary. And the cool thing about the rosary is it's like, it really is like scripture on mm-hmm. beads. You know, you're just entering into scripture and in different parts of Mary's life. Like you were saying, like she understands what it's like to, to see all of Christ through the eyes of a mother, which is just so powerful and beautiful. And yeah, that's just, I love it. <laughs> uh, I feel like when I first prayed, I first prayed I think it was the joyful mysteries the first first one I ever did and I just felt like the bible just came alive in just this incredible way because you're meditating on these scriptures and you're entering into that story because you're giving yourself that time to really consider the passage in a way that if you just read the bible well if I just read the bible I'd probably just pass by and be like oh that was nice okay next bit whereas it's just been incredible. You just feel like you're stood right there in that story whilst praying, whilst bringing to God all of your concerns. And it's just, oh, it's just so immersive and tactile and just, oh, it's incredible. I just love it. It's oh, just wow, a surprise, ever, but I love it. <laughs> It's amazing. I I can't wait to see just where your journey goes next and just everything that God has in store because just, yeah, continue to be open and the possibilities are endless. He can, he makes ways where there aren't ways and changes hearts. It's just beautiful to watch. I mean, I've learned it in my own journey and just, it's so cool to talk to people like this that are experiencing the same sort of thing. Mm-hmm. but totally different story in a different part of the world. I mean, it's yeah. just wild. 
But yeah, do you want to mention just, I guess, what have um, been some standout influences for you so far? I mean, obviously the rosary, Mm -hmm. but were there any other Catholic resources that you wanted to um, mention while we're on today? Yes. So something I found really, really helpful was Father Mike Schmitz, his little 10-minute videos on YouTube just explaining um, various topics that I'd never heard of, <laughs> never even thought about. And again, Lizzie Rose's videos have been so helpful to me, um, really unpacking a whole variety of topics from a really biblical standpoint. That's been super helpful for me. Um, and yeah, obviously adoration has been something that's just been really impactful. Um, and my RCIA group, the priest there, he's just such a lovely person and so ex- accepting of everybody and accepting of all of our questions. <laughs> and Praise God, yeah. Really, it's just been brilliant. And even the fact that I've been able to do it over Zoom because in person would have been hard with two small children. So, mm. um, yeah, all of those things have been really helpful. And my wonderful husband, who... I'll say to him, oh, I want to read the Apocrypha. And he's like, here's one. I want to do the rosary. Here we go. I know. It is wild. I mean, who knows what the Lord has in store, but it is wild to watch how he's worked through your husband, even through this. The fact that your husband had a rosary, the fact that your husband had these resources. I mean, I don't know. There's stuff going on there for him too. I'm sure he's, this is like, this is just wild, but this is what the Lord does. I mean, it's amazing when, when we uh, open our hearts just a little bit, he'll, he'll kind of provide exactly what we need to get closer. Um, But so the last question I hope to ask everyone who comes on at the end is, can you share with us one scripture verse that is either speaking to you recently or that has played a foundational role in your journey and why? Yes. So my verse would be Philippians 4 verses 4 to 7, which says, Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything but in every situation by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your requests to God and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding will guard your heart. Beautiful. Amazing. Ah, Joanna, thank you so much. This has been such a joy. And I just know that we are all praying for you. I will be praying for you and your whole family. And I can't wait to see where the Lord brings you next. Um, And I'll definitely be checking out your rosaries at Discover Rosary on Instagram and Etsy. All right, thanks. Bye. Thank you so much for growing some good with us today. Visit us at togrowgood.com slash podcast to find links to everything we mentioned in today's conversation. If you enjoyed today's conversation, would you please consider leaving us a review on iTunes or on whatever app you're listening from? Reviews help podcasts to show up higher in search results so that more people can find these incredible stories of the Lord at work. If you enjoy this podcast, please consider sharing it with a friend, a family member, or a coworker who might enjoy the conversation as well. Find us on Instagram at to grow good. See you next week.